Hi, everyone. This is Peter Brower, and you are listening to the Deeply Rooted Podcast. Today's episode is a sermon that I preached on Daniel chapter 6. So if you have time or you would like, encourage you go back and read Daniel chapter 6. It's a, a pretty well-known story. One Some of us were told in Sunday school, the story of Daniel and the lion's den. What we're focusing on, though, this week is is our non-negotiables. We all have them when it comes to life, don't we? Things we're not willing to compromise or budge over. We focus on particular today our our non-negotiable in the Christian life of worship. As Christians, that's just something we are not willing to compromise on. We are people who live lives of worship, and we see that in the story of Daniel. So why don't we jump right in as we take a look at Daniel, who was so committed, so determined to worship even though he knew it meant you'd be thrown into a den of lions. What are some of your non-negotiables in life? Uh, we all have them, right? Things that we're just not really willing to, to budge on, things that we don't make compromises about. What are your non-negotiables? For example, uh, maybe this past week we all celebrated Thanksgiving, and for you, maybe there are some non-negotiables of what has to be on that Thanksgiving table. And maybe it's the turkey, right? Just not Thanksgiving without turkey. For others of you, you know, it doesn't matter as much. It can be ham, it could be uh, a chicken, doesn't matter. But for some of you, unless there's turkey on the table, or, or maybe it's the green bean casserole, or uh, for some of you, maybe it's stuffing. It's not a Thanksgiving meal. You have some non-negotiables when it comes to that special day. Uh, for others of you, maybe you have a, a non-negotiable when it comes to Christmas music before Thanksgiving. You know, you like to keep your seasons distinct and, and separate. Uh, for the longest time, that was one of my non-negotiables, right? No Christmas music before Thanksgiving. I used to actually be December 1st, and I kind of moved that back a little bit. And then, then came this year, 2020, and with everything we've been through, uh, that all kind of went out the window and this year it was actually a few days before Thanksgiving that we were listening to Christmas music But maybe for you you're not gonna budge on that no matter no matter what um, I was thinking some of, of my other non-negotiables in life and I started to realize actually that I have more than a few of them which uh, can draw your own conclusions from that. It probably says something about me, but there are certain non-negotiable things that I need to do uh, Just about every day, right? So for example, one of them is my time of devotion Unless I'm able to spend at least kind of like 30 minutes in the Word and in prayer, I pray for myself and my family and our, our church, my day just feels off. And there are other things in my day that I'm, I'm willing to kind of move around, shift around, or leave behind, but that time is, is really precious to me. It's a non-negotiable time. Another example would be exercise. I don't need to exercise for an hour and a half each day, right? But unless I get a little bit of movement in, even just kind of going for a walk throughout the day, uh, I just don't feel right. I get kind of cranky. And uh, so that's another one of those non-negotiables. Uh, other things I'm willing to cancel, not do, forget about, but not exercise. Uh, that's another one. Uh, maybe you had, uh, or maybe you have right now, non-negotiables in your search for a spouse. <laughs> Certain things you're looking for in a person that, again, you just can't compromise on. I had plenty of those uh, when I was uh, looking for my wife, right? You had to be smart, funny, faithful, more importantly than anything, kind, wise, practically perfect in every way. And uh, once you know, but I got all those things. Uh, all my non-negotiables were met. And I don't know, again, what they are for you, but we all have non-negotiables in life. And, uh, you know, we also have non-negotiables as Christians. 
There are certain things as God's children that we just do not do. And we're not going to budge on it. It doesn't matter if everyone else around us is, is doing it. It doesn't matter if the world is pressuring us. We're just not going to do them because it's not who we are. And there are other things as Christians that we do, right, that might seem strange or odd by other people, but they're non-negotiable to us. Uh, we, we do not budge on them. Uh, we could talk about a lot of examples. You might have some of your own examples when it comes to this of non-negotiables in the Christian life. I just want to talk about one today, though. And that one non-negotiable I'd like to focus on is our worship. Uh, Christians live lives of worship. Now, when I talk today about a life of worship, I am actually talking about what we do on Sundays, or, or maybe it's Saturdays. Uh, but, you know, a weekly gathering of God's people has been a non-negotiable part of the Christian life since the very beginning. It's something that God's people have, have been doing since before Jesus' day. They would gather together on the Sabbath uh, for a time of worship, but it's always been a part of who we are. Uh, I do mean worship, our weekly gathering, but I, I also mean more than that. <laughs> I'm using that word worship in a broader sense, like a, a life of spiritual, emotional, and embodied physical devotion to the Lord, right? A devotion that, again, shows itself in our beliefs and our desires, but also just in our inner attitudes. It, it shows itself in our, in our daily lives, right? In our prayers, and the fact that we fold our hands, bow our heads, and pray, that we go to God's word and scripture, that we offer up songs of praise. Christians live lives of worship. We live lives of obedient allegiance to God. We worship him and him alone. The story of Daniel, I think, really highlights this. And what it also reminds us of is that as Christians, we live lives of worship, even when it's hard, even if we're told not to. Christians continue to worship, no matter what the world says, no matter what kings might say. We worship, we would continue to worship, even if it would mean death for us. So the story of Daniel reminds us. It reminds us just how important it is to give our complete and utter allegiance and obedience and devotion to the Lord in a life of worship. Uh, just to recap the story of Daniel, in case you don't remember it, Daniel was an a Israelite. He was a, a Jewish man born in Israel, uh, but he had been taken out of Israel, uh, kind of forced into exile to the land of Babylon. The Babylonians had come and, and conquered Israel, and when they did that, they brought many of the leading important people back to Babylon with them uh, to work for them, and, and Daniel was one such man. Uh, throughout his time in Babylon, Daniel had very often, numerous times, proved himself, shown that he was pretty valuable. He was a guy that people wanted around. And so he had gained some favor with various kings, mostly for interpreting dreams. And uh, now, actually, uh, he is living in what was Babylon, but is now Persia. The Persians had taken it over. And King Darius, the, the new king in the land, he's got his eye on Daniel, too. Uh, Daniel uh, is working his way up through the system. And he's gained popularity, seems to be gaining influence. He's got the ear of the king. And all of this is good for Daniel, but some other people aren't too happy about it. His competitors within the government there, right, everyone else who's trying to work their way up, they don't like it. And they don't like what Daniel has. They're jealous of it. And so they, they hatch this plot. A group of them hatch a plot, a scheme, to bring him down. And they're really devious in how they do it. Because, you see, they know that Daniel is so faithful to his God, to Yahweh. Uh, they've seen it. Uh, maybe they've seen Daniel pray. It seems like he kind of opens his windows. He doesn't hide his faith, doesn't try to cover it up, right? He just wears it on his sleeve. And everyone knows who Daniel is, what's important to him, and what he does. He worships. 
It's non-negotiable for him. And so this small group of people who's uh, competing with Daniel, who's not happy with him, they, they know that. And they try to take advantage of it. And so they go to the king with this idea. Uh, they suggest that the king issue a decree. They say, you know, King Darius, you're, you're awesome. You're amazing. You are worthy of all of our praise and our honor. You know, it would be the least that we could do that the people of this land would stop worshiping every other god or, or bowing down to any other person. It would be the least we could do to just give you our full attention for 30 days. So why don't you issue a decree that, that no one else can be worshipped, god or man, for 30 days? And, and we'd all be happy to do it. Now for a power-hungry guy like Darius, this sounds like a good idea, <laughs> right? Um, and so he does. He issues this decree. No one else can be worshipped, god or man, for 30 days. And this is where the tension begins to build in the story, right? Because it's like, what is Daniel going to do? He's been so faithful, but this is some serious business. And, uh, you know, as I was reading the story, it kind of occurred to me, and it's occurred to others as well, that it would have actually been pretty easy for Daniel to just kind of go with the flow and to avoid any trouble. I mean, I mean, think about it, right? Couldn't Daniel have just talked to God before these 30 days started and said, God, you know what? No one can ever stop me from believing in you. So I'm just, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to pray for 30 days. At the end of the 30 days, you'll still be there. If I keep quiet at the end of the 30 days, I'll still be here. <laughs> and uh, what a reunion that will be, right? That's all he had to have done is just not worship. Just kind of pause for 30 days, stop his praying, right? But he doesn't do that. You know, Daniel could have also just done it, but done it quietly or even silently, right? He could have pulled the sheets over his head at night or locked himself away in a closet and continued his life of, of, of quiet prayer in that way. But he's not willing to do that either, right? Worship is just who he is, and he's not going to hide it. He's not going to stuff it in a closet, right, or, or hide it under the covers. His, this life of, of worship, it's, it's meant to be lived, and it's non-negotiable, for him. And so he continues to worship. We're told that he continues to open up his windows as he looks out towards Jerusalem and pray to God three times a day. And he does so knowing full well. He's not ignorant about what this could mean, right? He knows that, that, that a part of this decree is that anyone who disobeys is going to be thrown into a lion's den, which meant, you know, just about certain death. No one survives a lion's den. And so Daniel continues to worship knowing, knowing what this will mean for him. This story then left me with a, a couple questions riddling around my heart, and I uh, figured I'd share with them because maybe they're good for us all to consider. And the first question that Daniel made me think about is, is worship a non-negotiable in my life? Am I fully committed to Sunday gatherings with other Christians, weekly meetings, but, but also a life of obedience and allegiance and devotion, spiritually, emotionally, embodied, physically, right? Is, is that a non-negotiable to me? Would I be willing to continue to worship even if the consequences were just as dire as for Daniel? The other question that it got me thinking about is what are those temptations that take little pieces of my obedience or illusion, that grab a hold of my heart and pull me in other directions, right? It, it would have been so easy for Daniel to be tempted by the, the powerful King Darius and to say, I don't want to mess with that power. That could mean bad things for me. It would have been so easy for Daniel to be tempted by his own power, right? He had been gaining power and influence, and this was going to probably bring a lot of that crumbling down. And it would have been easy for Daniel to say, I'm not going to mess with that. I, I want the power. I like this. 
Maybe think, what, what are those temptations for us, right? What is fighting for my attention, for my allegiance, for my obedience? Is it something like money, right? Have, have I been chasing after that? And is that taking time and attention away from my life of, of worship? Or do I hit pause on my worship so I can go chase after other things, prestige or, or power or um, the opinions of other people? Right? What are those temptations for me? Uh, what are those other things or people that I worship and bow down to? It made me think that I'm sure glad that we have the story of Daniel. Right? We need more examples like him. And maybe you have some examples in, in your life like Daniel, people that you can look to who just embody this. Right? For whom worship, a life of worship, devotion, allegiance to God is non-negotiable. I pray that, that you do, but, but we all have Daniel today. And I'm glad for, for that example that he gives us. Um, but I, I, I do think that the story of Daniel ought to come with a little bit of a warning. <laughs> because, you know, Daniel's story, as we read, it comes with a, a very neat bow tied onto it at the end, doesn't it? I mean, he's obedient and, and faithful, and God rewards him. God saves him from that lion's dead. He comes out unscathed. He just kind of waltzes right out miraculously. God delivers him. But you know, the warning is that the warning is that God doesn't promise the same thing for us. Right? God never promises that we will be rescued from each and every situation that we find ourselves in. God never promises that we won't be persecuted and, or, or that we won't feel pain or that, that maybe we, we won't even die for our faith. Right? I, we don't think about it much in our American context, but there are Christians across the world who are daily dying. And as a reward for their, their obedience and worship of the Lord, they are killed for their faith. And so God never promises us that, that we'll be rescued from each and every circumstance. What, what I think the story of Daniel does do, though, is that it points us forward to a greater day of rescue. It reminds us that one day, despite what may happen to us in this world, we will be delivered. The story of Daniel points us forward to that great and glorious salvation that is ours in Jesus. See, there are so many similarities between the person and this story of Daniel and Christ. Did you catch any of them as we're reading our story or as you read through Daniel 6? Uh, the story of, of Daniel and the lion's den, full of allusions to Christ. Let me just share some of them with you. And if you've never seen these similarities between Daniel and his person in the story of the lion's den and Jesus, well, you're never going to be able to not see them now. They're going to jump off the page to you. So, Here's some of the similarities, right? Uh, Daniel was a man who was obedient in prayer and faithful to the bitter end. Sound like Jesus to you? Uh, Daniel was a man who was accused by uh, certain authorities who tried to trap him because of his faithfulness. Sound like Jesus at all to you? I think it does. Uh, Daniel was a man who was dragged before pagan authorities on trumped-up charges, baseless charges just like Jesus. Uh, Daniel was a man who was condemned by a ruler who knew that he was innocent. We read in the story today that uh, Daniel uh, and, and King Darius, who was condemning him, was, was pretty troubled by it because he knew that Daniel was a, a good, good guy. Same like Jesus with King Pilate. Daniel was eventually sentenced to death, just like Jesus. Daniel was stuck in, into the ground, a lion's pit with a stone rolled over it where he returned, just like Jesus was stuck in a grave with a giant stone rolled over it. Uh, Daniel, uh, uh, when dawn happens, King Darius rushes to see him at first light, just like the women rush to the tomb on Easter morning to see if he is alive. 
And then, of course, Daniel emerges from that tomb, from that lion's pit, from the ground, alive and well, just like Jesus. There are, are some similarities between Daniel and our Savior, except that Jesus goes even further. Because Daniel was spared from death, but, but Jesus wasn't. Jesus faced death. He was not rescued. He was not delivered by his Father. He willingly died and suffered. And because Jesus suffered, and because he died, and, and then because he rose again triumphant and victorious, dear friends, so will we. See, maybe the story needs to come with a, a second warning, or a second reminder, right? And, and that is that we are not loved, we're not accepted, uh, we're, we're not forgiven because of our lives of worship. No, we worship because in Christ we are accepted, because we are loved, because we are forgiven, because we are saved and delivered. You see, before we ever bowed a knee or opened up our Bibles or said a prayer or, or sung a song of praise, Jesus had already died and rose for us. And, and so we don't live these lives of worship in order to get anything from God, but because we've been given even more than we could ever imagine. It's our response to what God has done for us. Uh, this, this weekend uh, marks the beginning of Advent. And Advent is a season of waiting. On the one hand, we're waiting together for Christmas. We're waiting to celebrate the, the first coming of Jesus, his arrival in the manger. But on, on the other hand, it's a, it's a time to remember that we're also waiting for Christ to come again. That, that just as Christ came once in the manger, he promised to come a second time, this time on the clouds and in glory, where he'll gather up all his children and, and bring and usher in his eternal kingdom. We're waiting for that day, just like we're waiting for Christmas. Today we're reminded that as we wait, we worship. What else could we do? We've been loved. We've been accepted. We, we, we have hope, right, of deliverance and salvation and rescue. And so worship for us, it's non-negotiable. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the Deeply Rooted Podcast. I hope that you are blessed by our time together in the Word of God and pray that your roots went a little bit deeper. If you could do three things for me as we close our time together today, I would be blessed. First, if you could subscribe to this podcast, I would love that. That would be an easy way for you to listen to all future episodes and continue to get our updates. Second, if you could share what you heard today, I would really appreciate that. There should be an easy way to do that, to share this to your Facebook page, and I would be blessed by that. And then finally, if you could leave a review, I would love to hear what you think and, and how this episode went. So if you could share, subscribe, and leave us a review, I would be blessed. God bless you, everyone. And until next time, this is Peter Brower on the Deeply Rooted Podcast.